0: Hey everyone, welcome back to this lesbian ship is intense. I'm Katie and I'm V and we are back again to talk to you about a of their own. It's been a lot longer than we planned, but life really just decided to step in and intervene with our podcast for a moment. So deep apologies on our part.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about how, you know, like, we can make plans, but we can't control everything else that happens. So, like, work was just – I had, like, a crazy two weeks. Like, like literally, like, I never try to work more than my hours because I'm like, no, fuck you. Like, I refuse to work more than my hours. Same. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was in a situation where, like – I, I needed to like I needed to work beyond my hour. So I was like working pretty constantly for the past like week and a half, two weeks. Um, and just like Thursday was the day. I think I texted you like on Friday and I was just like, so I can be human again.
0: <laughs> yeah. and while while V was in the midst of that, I was like consumed with like disaster relief work. So, and don't worry i I haven't been like really affected, but my job requires me to like work in these situations while so I was working on the weekends, yeah. and I was like, "I'm not in the mood for this right now either,
1: <laughs> so
0: that was interesting, um, like
1: the timing of mother nature and of like my work like we both were equally consumed with very different thing well, like different enough things,
0: yeah, exactly, so. Hopefully Mother Nature won't be calling anytime <laughs> soon yes. and we can get back with it because we want to be consistent. We want to keep talking about a league of their own and keep it going because,
1: you know, it's fun, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, adult sucks. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I remember we wanted to, we wanted to get this started um, pretty close to when the show actually came out. And then I don't remember how we got delayed but we did get delayed so it's just like we got
0: delayed we got delayed several (laughs) times by (laughs) attempts for other things for the other show we were covering Mm -hmm. that dragged it out longer than we wanted to for reasons outside of our control and then our life intervenes and now so it's like it sucks but we're here to keep talking about this show because we're also like really frustrated that this show has not been renewed yet
1: like what is going on Yeah, actually, so I was rewatching the episodes today and I complained about it not being renewed. And my wife was like, it's not renewed. Like, I think she just assumed because, like, it should be renewed. Like, exactly. What the fuck do you mean it hasn't been renewed? That's so stupid. (laughs) Renew it, Amazon. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I know, like, a fair amount of people have watched this show that's not just, like, in the queer community. Mm -hmm. like. Of course, obviously, it's been embraced by the lesbians, but I know for a fact it has had a decent viewing outside of that. And it's trending on Amazon along with their other major shows still months out. So, I mean, I've heard rumors that this new Lord of the Rings show, Rings of Power, is like the most expensive show ever done. And I didn't even
1: know about this show.
0: Yeah. That's how and, out of
1: my circle that is.
0: Well, I am a Lord of the Rings fan, so I'm also part of the problem. But <laughs> um it apparently like the weight of Amazon programming is on the show or some bullshit like that. Mm. And I'm like, you know, what world are we living in where we need to spend this much money on a television show? So but you know, fun. that's besides the point. And I'm like, the sh- that show is doing pretty well as far as I can tell. So it's time to get a leave their own renewed, spread the love to the other programming. And I just feel like it's checking the boxes for Amazon right now. Like, even though it is extremely gay, a win for us, I feel like it's very palatable to a general audience. Um it has the sports audience. It has the comedy, like, it's got the star power. I'm just like, what are we
1: waiting I, for? Yeah, I, don't I don't get I don't it. know why anyone wouldn't enjoy it, so.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think there is an interesting criticism that I've heard, and not necessarily like a criticism, just like a voice that I've heard, which is that for some people, it's felt like two different shows. With Max's storyline and The Peaches. And I think think that comes from people that maybe watched the movie and expected the show to follow along. And so they weren't prepared for another story to be told. But I don't really feel that way. I mean, I feel like they intertwine the storylines pretty well. But... I do see like in the second episode that it takes them it does take them some time to build up the connection between Max and Carson, I guess. But I I just never had a problem with watching it. So even if I've heard that like voice, like it's never been something that I even thought about really until someone told me that.
1: Yeah, I was like and (laughs) i was like so what's the issue with that like i don't there are so many shows that have like massive ensemble casts and you follow you know different people doing different things like not everything has to be so obviously connected and we get there with the show i have no issue with that
0: i mean my biggest complaint in the first three episodes is that i don't think there's enough baseball which of course like you probably don't care about but i think for a sports story you need the sports to drive the story and the sports aren't really driving the story as much in the first couple episodes um and honestly that's really why i think we need at least a second season like i will die on this hill we deserve to see max play baseball for a whole season so With all that being said, let's give the people what they want. Another episode of A League of Their Own. This episode, episode two, is called Find the Gap and it is directed again by Jamie Babbitt and written by Abby Jacobson. So we start the game with, we start the game. We we start (laughs) really diving into this. (laughs) We start the episode with Max imagining herself in a game. And I think it's really interesting that she's imagining what is considered like the Black Babe Ruth up against her at the plate. So she's really envisioning herself as a career in professional baseball. But also we're getting a little history lesson about a big time hitter in the Black Baseball Leagues that we... Many of us, including myself, probably don't know much about. Even if you've watched a lot about sports, so I I really love that little bit in the beginning. But actually, she's watched watching the Screw Factory guys play and taking copious notes. Did she um Did she name the the player that she was daydreaming yes.
1: about? Yes. Okay. His name is well. The announcer names it, and it's Josh Gibson at the Oh place. God! How did I miss that? Well. So, like, I, one of the things that I really thought about that was just, like, because they referred to him as the Black Babe Ruth. And I understand why that is said. But it just, like, it reminds me of how people of color get referred to as their white, like, equivalent. Yep. You know? So it's not like, this is who this is. It's, oh, the Black Babe Ruth. And you lose the name. And And, like, they do that to women a lot. You know, like... Brad Pitt's mm-hmm. wife, you know, and it's just like everyone knows who Angelina Jolie is, uh, right <laughs> <laughs> like like that. We're just um so I don't think that that was necessarily like something that they were trying to get people to think about, but it's just it is a factual, accurate thing to do that generated this thought. Um, yeah. So, and I mean that's a theme that really plays throughout this
0: episode in Max and Clance's story. The way that things are supposed to be changing, but that the s- current systems in play find workarounds about and how things are much harder for them. So I think that is an actually a very smart way to open up their story and give us a little bit of Max in the baseball world. And the guys that are there, like imagining that Max is coming every day to watch them play for them. and And Gary's like acting all big and bad about it. But no, Max is there to do her bidding.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that Max is at the game watching and like all the guys are like, oh my gosh, she's this girl. Like she's been here every game. Like whose girl is she? Because clearly the only reason she would be coming to watch (laughs) a game is to watch a man she's obsessed with. (laughs) And Gary allows him to believe that. Um, Okay, what I have to say about Max in this scene is like, I love and adore Max, but I really wish she would have a little bit more tact. Like, she is so impulsive, like, so motivated, you know, that she doesn't sometimes think about the best way to, like, try and get what she wants. So, like, in this moment, she goes up and she's like, hi, I've been watching your players. Your Mr. Fox has a towel. And he's, like, right there. And it's just like, "Mm, maybe that's not the best way to approach that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's just a general lesson for her this season, but also in opposition to clans, like later in the the episode, she says, you always have your mom making things right for you. And I think Max has lived a very interesting life where she's been told to go for what she wants and lived in a world where she's really believed in and she believes in herself and she doesn't want to fit into the norms of society. But that doesn't necessarily get her where she needs to be. She's having to learn how to navigate the political side of getting what you want, which is such a difficult lesson to learn in life because it's all bullshit. You know what I mean? Oh my
1: God, yes.
0: (laughs) You're like, I don't fucking want to do this bullshit. Like, it's not important. But like, the people above you really care about that bullshit. So, and... um she gets her new mission this episode the coach says you have to work at the factory to play on this team so that's her her new goal it just shows how painstakingly difficult it is for max to achieve the same thing as the peaches like she is having to go bit by bit. And then in opposition, we go to the Peaches locker room and they're learning that they're going to have to play in skirts. And it's not just for pictures. It's also for the play. And they're not too happy about that. And they're introduced to their new coach, former Cubs pitcher, Dove Porter, played by the hilarious Nick Offerman.
1: I think probably one of the things that I most enjoy about this show, actually, is the female, like, the the friendships, the camaraderie. Like, I really love Mm -hmm. the way they are friends with each other, and you get to see different types of friendships. And so, like, when the skirts are announced, Jess is so upset. Like, she is so upset. And Lupa's like, maybe it's Jess for the photos, like, trying to comfort her. And that just made me so happy. Um and how did you feel about dove when we got introduced to him because i thought he was going to be a genuine person possibly
0: (laughs) i i wasn't sure how they were going to play him because i i had just watched the movie right before this Uh um and knew like the basis of nick offerman's character dove and tom hanks character are similar so Uh What they're doing with Dove, let me just say, I love it. And this is why I love Nick Offerman. But we'll get into more of that later with him. But I just thought it was hilarious. Like how he approached his like motivational locker room speech. It's like (laughs) Nick Offerman really understands both like the heart of what makes a good sports speech work and also why it's so ridiculous at the same time. (laughs) And that is the only like maybe only he can really capture it, but it's fucking hilarious to me. Um, And so like he gives this whole speech about I want to see fire in your eyes and for you to take advantage of your moment. And Carson goes through this whole nervous, like, my dad's been a fan of you, gets an autograph and all this stuff. And then when he's there, like, trying to be like, show me the fire in your eyes, Carson. And she just, she's not meeting
1: the moment for him. (laughs) She's trying. She's trying. I did like, um, and I think maybe... That's why I thought he might be genuine is like he gave that very like locker roomy kind of speech about fire and passion and whatever, whatever. But then when Carson shares with him um, like who he is for her and her family and how her family doesn't really think that what she's doing is real, he said something like it wasn't like super poignant, but his response just made me think like okay like maybe he is going to be supportive of this being real for these women um in a way that i don't think many people were taking women playing (laughs) baseball seriously yeah
0: and i think that's why it's uncertain on where he's going to stand too like when we go to the next scene and lupe's pitching and he's obviously impressed by her and you know they make a connection she taught herself how to pitch just like he did so he decides to show her his forkball and you think this is like a genuine moment of him like trying to coach and support someone for greatness um and i think it's for other reasons but you you really think like okay maybe maybe he's not fully there but maybe he will get there and start to invest in them once he learns about them And so I think these two scenes back to back, number one, it's interesting to pose Carson and Lupe as they have their little antagonism Mm -hmm. um, with each other in the next few episodes, but also to make you wonder a little bit more about Dove.
1: Yeah, I definitely thought he looked at her like with like being impressed uh, a little bit of awe and I was and yeah, I think that definitely contributed to my thinking that he might like actually be coaching them well. Um, I don't know if I caught this on the initial watch, but I definitely thought about it on the rewatch, which was, was it a little bit of a hint to us about like Dove's abilities and um, I don't know, just like Dove because when Lupe pitched to Carson, she missed but when she did the fork ball, or then when Dove does the forkball showing Lupa how to do it, Carson hits it really well. And Dove was just right. like, oh, wow, you really got around on that one. And I was like, did she get around on it? Like, are you not as good as you? Is it a good pitch? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's all laying the
0: groundwork. That actually makes me... Really love what they did with Dove as a character in this show because it's it's really about his ego more than anything. Um and it's laying the groundwork for that. Uh and then the gals on the on the team notice a fancy woman in the stands. And Greta knows who she is and she wants to show off. And I just really loved like one of my favorite secondary characters is Maybelle and Shirley. And <laughs> They have an interesting dynamic between the two of them as well, where like Shirley goes, she looks like my mom. And Maybell goes, that
1: means you're rich. <laughs> yeah, Maybell just she's so like, real. I just love her. <laughs> Me too.
0: And you know, I saw on Instagram, the actress that played her was heavily pregnant through the filming of this show. And I didn't notice at all. I had no idea. Like, I don't, they, they were very clever in how they hit it because I had no idea. Um, But the topic of conversation is that the girls look like truck drivers and they think womanhood might be over.
1: (laughs) I know. I thought it was so funny that they kept referring to them as truck drivers. And I was like, okay. Like, I just like, I don't know. I I don't even know why they were jumping to that. Um and
0: honestly like why is that such an insult in our society like if you don't look good you look like a truck driver like excuse me <laughs> truck driving is a very good profession mm-hmm. It it is a job without a degree in which you can earn good money for yourself and the infrastructure of our country relies on it
1: this is a side note for you um did you know that I've been um on a truck driving um job <laughs> Like, you not, personally? Not, not, not like, the driver, but, like, I had friends whose parents were truck drivers, and they were going to a state I'd never been to, and so it was basically my summer trip. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I've had friends that do
0: it, and so, like, I've been around it and stuff, yeah. and my current job works with it a lot. Uh-huh. But just generally, I was like, oh, yeah, we do insult truck drivers a lot in this country, don't we? Yeah.
1: I have no idea. i I'd, I I'd never... Maybe that's not an insult that I grew up with too much, but, like, it, like, maybe I have.
0: Um, And Max goes to sign up for work at the factory. And she's completely ignored by the women that are signing people up. Max tries to confront them. And she's like, the Roosevelt order says that you have to consider me if you're doing war work. And they're basically like, okay, you've been considered you you don't meet our
1: qualifications this enraged me so much I hate having to be polite to people who do not deserve to be treated politely and she has to treat them politely because she's trying to get a fucking job from them and being assholes like it made me oh and I think like it also it, it not only makes me angry about having to Bite your tongue in these types of situations where people are acting unjustly. But it also makes me really sad or confused as to how people can act this way. Like the way that they were able to pretend she didn't exist when she's so obviously Mm -hmm. there. The way that they're able to come up with lie after lie instead of just saying the truth. And then finally saying the truth in, you know, like a harsh way. And then immediately turning to those white women turning in the job applications be like oh my god thank you so much you know like oh that like i don't understand how people can be like that like in in the two seconds
0: (laughs) i mean this is when the show really impresses me i think it portrays like systematic and structural racism really well because they're referencing like a change in society right like Legally, Max has the quote-unquote opportunity. But the people in power are still not allowing her to have that opportunity by finding their own workarounds in the system. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy the fact that the show isn't scared of that. Like, because... And enjoy maybe feels like the wrong word to use here. But... Appreciate yes like that they're able to tell it in an interesting way and it only makes you like root for Max like you you know how good of a pitcher Max is and she's trying to work at this factory just to be a pitcher and what she's having to go through and put up with when she doesn't need this job to survive right this is for her to go after her dreams It's just, like, how much more does she have to do? And, again, she's faced by people that aren't even willing to look at her to try to get her chance.
1: Yeah, I think that, like, what you're talking about, the, like, political change, I mean, like, there was, it was a Roosevelt order. Like, it was, it was a legal change, but it's, like, just because something gets passed in a law doesn't mean that it actually gets enacted or enforced because, like, Especially in the South. I mean, I know they're not in the South right now, but if, if they were in the South, who the fuck are you going to go to to complain to say that someone's not enforcing this? The people that you go to complain are going to also not enforce it, you know? So it's just like, it makes me really angry when people can look at things like this and say, well, things changed, you know, like, you know, the people who try to say that racism doesn't exist anymore because laws say that <laughs> that we are all afforded right. the same opportunity. And it's just like, mm, but like, are we? <laughs> Yeah,
0: it's like, it's the whole thing. Like, people are the ones that enforce laws. Laws don't enforce themselves. So there's a lot of contingencies in place there. And and we're taught a lot about that through Max, specifically. And back to the Peaches baseball uh, practice, we have an interaction between Greta and Carson, where Greta wants to know if Carson's been ignoring her, and Carson wants to be left alone. Dove is really uh, blowing himself up by name dropping Babe Ruth, and Greta he threw him pretty early on, which I think is interesting.
1: Yeah, I I I noticed some things about Greta, and I haven't stopped to do like a little bit more of a thoughtful analysis of Greta as a person and why she's perceptive in some way. I think in a lot of ways, um, but then acts in ways that really irritate me. <laughs> um because like I was I was annoyed with Greta again in this where she's like trying to talk to Sean I knew you would be her. like I was
0: watching it and I was like I'm I'm just trying to predict what you were gonna say because like I don't really have a problem with it but I knew you would not like it
1: uh yeah I knew I saw that and I was like Ugh. <laughs> and I was like Katie's gonna be okay with this
0: well the thing about Greta is and the reason why it doesn't bother me is I feel like a ki- uh, a connection to her in the same way like a (laughs) lot I'm gonna make a bold statement as a lesbian a lot of men that like power do not like me because I do not care about them (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I do not like they're intimidated by that you know that they can't like assert themselves over a woman and like I can read through a man's bullshit really quickly where other people don't right and I feel like Greta as a way to protect herself in society has really learned about the intricacies of like human interaction and how men assert their dominance over women and how to like navigate through that comfortably. So I just think she can smell the bullshit miles away. And that's what makes me like her.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think that I grow to see that with the progression of this in the next episode. Uh, But at this point in time, when she does her little flirt thing, I was just like, you're being annoying. It was like, you pulled the shit on her <laughs> and then you're like, hey, like, I don't even remember what the fuck she said because I didn't even write it down. But I just like, I, I was, I was, I didn't like it. I felt like Shaw was annoyed by her. Um, But then I was, my, my irritation shifts to Dove when he fucking name drops Babe Ruth. um, And I'm just like, ugh, gross. But Shaw, I mean, it makes sense. Like, you know, you're meeting someone that you look up to and they mention someone else and you're just like, oh my God, you know them? <laughs> Right, and and Shaw
0: is still a little bit wonderfully naive to this whole baseball thing at this point. Like, yeah. She thinks, like, this is our shot. This is just going to be like the majors, and, and we're going to get to be stars, and these are stars talking to us. Like, I don't think she's looking for malice yet, and so I get her side as well. And then, of course, Dove gives a wonderfully ridiculous speech as he... <laughs> Let's practice early. And this is the thing I mean about sports speeches, because he says, if you don't feel ready, that's exactly what makes you ready. And like, that makes zero sense in the world. But in the sporting environment, like the amount of times people say that shit to try to convince you otherwise. It's like military propaganda, right? Like, we're trying to get you to believe in something that's about to kill you, you know?
1: (laughs) Oh, Lordy. (laughs) Maybe this is why I never played any organized sports. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Stupid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Carson arrives home to a call from her sister, Meg. And this puts a lot in play for Carson as a character. We find out that... Even though she's been married for seven years, she still hasn't had children, which is really different for this time period. And we find out that Charlie did write to her, and he's been delayed again. And also, in this moment, Greta is kind of annoying her, as you would say. Yes, and and me. (laughs) (laughs) And also gives her a book which is very important for the show called a tree grows in brooklyn do you know anything about that book
1: no i've ne- i um looked it up because i've never read it but i realized that it would be important <laughs> but i but i don't want to spoil myself at the same time because i want to read it now <laughs> I do want to read this book as well, but I was trying to understand the
0: cultural significance of this book. Apparently, it was really revolutionary in how women lived in society and how they broke a little bit of their social norms um and so i'm guessing that's why there's a lot of relatable things to greta in that and i think the thing is and why it annoys you because carson is our protagonist and she's not ready to face it yet but greta can see through it like carson has a hard time breaking through the norms of society even though she wants to and I think that's Greta giving her that book, and why Greta's been a little like thorn in her side, but I could see why it's frustrating when you're scared to do that
1: well i'm I'm more annoyed with Greta on a very surface level kind of way, like I'm not if i if I stop and I think about like what her motivators are, which I don't truly understand until I get to know her more as we progress in the show, I am not irritated with her motivation and desire what I'm more irritated with at this moment in time is I just in some ways I have some expectations around how people should act (laughs) um with regards to like propriety and so like I was really irritated that she was on the phone with her sister and like having a conversation like you (laughs) kissed me and you left me to walk off with a man and left me in this emotional daze then we don't talk about it and you're kind of teasing me and I'm not feeling good and I'm anxious about what's happening with my husband and then you're having a conversation with my sister I don't know what the fuck you're talking about you didn't get my approval to have this kind of connection and relationship with my loved one like that feels so rude to me and like it feels almost it feels almost like I don't want to say it's manipulative. It's just, it's very callous because Greta knows she's not going to do or say anything bad. So she's just having fun with it. But for Carson, that was, it looked like it was terrifying for her to see Greta talking to her sister because she doesn't know what's being talked about in her absence. And I think it is rude and inconsiderate of a person you are supposed to care about to put them through that. And this is why I don't like pranks, Katie. I don't like pranks because I think they're mean. Why would you do that to someone you care about? <laughs> like, I well, just don't... I, I also
0: don't like pranks. I guess I, I don't mind it because I think it's obvious, despite what Carson's inner feelings are. I think Greta's playfulness is obvious. So to me, like, I don't mind teasing. Like, I think teasing and pranks are different. And I think Greta's just a tease. And, like, I like that in people. Like, I, I like, have that relationship with a lot of people. So I think that's why it doesn't bother me. Because I think Greta is trying to be obvious in her playfulness. But there's an undercurrent that Carson's insecure about that's fueling it. And like, yeah, maybe Greta's fueling that fire a little bit, but like I said, for Carson to get past that hump, I think Greta has to, or else Carson will just be who she's always been expected to be. And I think it's kind of showing here again, like Carson is like trying to talk about this awesome thing she gets to do and how she's so excited about it and how like, this is her dream and it's amazing. And her sister literally doesn't care,
1: you know? That was so upsetting, the way her sister's response was. Okay, I'm going to say another thing that irritated me about Greta that was also a superficial, like, how you should act kind of thing, which was just like... Bitch, get out the room. I'm having a conversation with my sister that you do not need to be privy to. Leave. Like, I was just annoyed that she stayed there for that conversation. Because they do get into heavy some some heavy shit. Her sister even goes so far as to say, I wish mom was still here to, like, affect, like, to deal with you because you're a, pro-. like, she calls her a problem. I don't well, want a conversation would- with someone there that I barely know. And see
0: I would counter that again with Greta knowing Carson because Greta has had to put lines in the sand with her family to be who she is and Carson hasn't and so that connection to her family is pulling Carson back into a different world instead of the Carson who maybe she's meant to be. And so Greta, I think, sticks around to try to remind Carson of that, which she continues to do throughout the show. Mm -hmm. So I think this is why Greta sticks around, not necessarily out of malice, but because she sees who Carson really is and she's trying to keep enhancing that. So I get why on a decorum (laughs) level, it might be rude, but in a like... Sometimes it takes a little bit of rudeness to get to the to the, to the truth.
1: Yeah. So I I think I also later on this is going to come up. I think that also the reason I probably get irritated with Greta is because I am the Greta. I am <laughs> the person who would tease. I am the person who would stay. Um. And like, I I would do things that I know are rude because I know my intentions. And yeah so like I being the person who does those things I don't receive them very well sometimes so like (laughs) makes
0: sense whereas I'm the opposite and so I like that and people that's probably why we podcast together (laughs) um because I always say like I love people in my life who are dramatic like, mm-hmm. I don't like to be, like, I guess I am dramatic in some ways, but, like, yeah. I'm not a very, like, drama-heavy person in my life. So, I love other people in my life who are, like, very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we go into the the gals gathered in a room. There's Greta, Joe, Shirley, Jess, and Esty. And... Greta is still wondering if the league is going to take off and if this is going to be successful. And Joe seems to be somewhat on the same page as as Greta. But Carson and the other girls are a little bit more hopeful that it's going to be something different. And then Greta shows them the article, can womanhood survive the Rockford Peaches? And that really affects everybody. And I think that just shows like, Greta is very aware of the systems in the world where the other girls are coming from more traditional backgrounds maybe where they haven't fought that as much or backgrounds that are a little bit more isolated than like the hustle and bustle of New York City so they're not as aware and I think that starts to show
1: why Greta is the way she is
0: because she's prepared for the heartbreak
1: I agree I think that when I first saw this I was like God, Greta, I was like, why the fuck do you have to, like, bring on everyone's parade? Like, let people have some fucking sliver of happiness. And then I thought about it and I was like, Ugh. she's saying it for herself and she's also saying it for them. Like, it hurts to see people not be prepared for the reality of the world. And sometimes we say things like that because... I don't know. It just it feels better than letting someone believe something and then them for them to get crushed unexpectedly. So I think maybe that was like kind of the part where I started to see a little bit more of like Greta.
0: Yeah, and it's this tough line that I think we all still live in on um, like what do you balance like yes there is space for hope and you want to keep that space alive but sometimes hope needs to come face to face with reality at the same time um and it's a hard thing to determine when to cross hope into reality um and i think redis had to do that for a long time and we find out more later why she has but yeah, in the scene itself, it is kind of hard to to see the girl struggle, and then we go to sh- to Shirley laying awake in bed, wondering, you know, Carson, what happens if we don't make it? I'm I can't go back. And Carson says she feels like she's supposed to be here, and that you know, regardless, they still get to play professional baseball tomorrow.
1: Yeah, really important that Carson said um, that she feels like she's supposed to be here, and she's never felt that before in her life. Also, Shirley's just fucking hilarious. She's like, I can't go back. I don't have anything. I have a chair.
0: <laughs> I know. I fucking love her. Like, I fucking love Carson and Shirley's comedic timing together. And it makes me want to cry that Kate Berlant wasn't as big as a comedian when Broad City was airing. And that we didn't get to see Kate Berlant on Broad City. Like, it makes me feel like we truly miss something in the world. But, you know what can we do we have we have Abby and 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 Kate together on a leave their own and we need another season to continue to get more of it okay people that's literally
1: what I was gonna say is we've got this we just need a season two now
0: yeah can we get Alana to guest star on just one episode just one episode and the three of them be in a scene together like that's it like maybe Alana can be like a player from an opposing team you know
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. and pop
0: in I don't know I'm just saying Um, and then we go over to the Chapman's where we get a hint that Max is getting good at the books. You know, she's showing a little bit more investment in Chapman's, um, and we have a really important moment for Tony that is important for this episode, but actually we, so much of what we get from Tony in these next couple episodes is really important for her character journey too, which is why I love this show. Mm But Tony says she didn't always want to work at a salon either. And she thinks they only gave her a loan because she has a man's name. But she's gotten to achieve all of her other dreams because of that. Yeah. Of course, that gives Max a, a more basic idea <laughs> than just taking over the salon, which was not Tony's intention.
1: Well, I um, I really liked this. Because it reminded me of the modern day where people will change their names on their resumes to be given a bigger shot at actually getting a job. Because if your name sounds too ethnic, you know, the way that, like, people read into what it means. Like, you don't choose your fucking name. And there's nothing wrong with the name. But, like, the judgments associated with that, like... So, again, another one of those little statements that's made in the show that just, like, if you're a person of color, I think brings up a lot more than you might see kind of, like, at first glance. Like, if it can, for some people, I think it could be a very simple throwaway. Like, oh, I got my loan because I have the name Tony. And it's like, (laughs) but actually, do you know how much it fucking sucks that your name gets you judged before you can even try and fucking get a job? Um, Yeah. that's Right. (laughs) And also, you know how hard
0: it was in the 1940s like it's it's really important that we learn like there is a cultural and structural system at place that puts women at a disadvantage period Mm -hmm. Um, and we are really examining the differences between you know what white or white passing women get to achieve and in black women so there's so much depth and these little small scenes that we get and that's what is really interesting to me about the show yeah and then we have vivian hughes showing up into the living room at the peaches house and carson is like uh why are you here we have a game tonight we need to be preparing for that and me- meanwhile maybelle is like yay makeovers
1: <laughs> oh my god i like i would have such mixed feelings He'd be like i want the lipstick but also don't reduce me to this can i have the <laughs> lipstick
0: <laughs> just toss me the lipstick and we'll keep it moving Thanks. <laughs> yeah and then back at chapman's mrs turner arrives and she's the wife of the pastor in town So Tony has Max set her up, and a big moment here happens in in the salon chit-chat when Tony's sister Bertie is brought up, and it's clearly a sore spot.
1: Ooh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so when Mrs. Turner walks in, clearly she's someone who's important, and um, Tony tells Max, like, get her set up, and there's a look that they exchanged, but, like, I did not clock what it meant at this point in time. Me,
0: either, like I was not expecting what ended up happening. It was subtle enough it like it's there, so it's in the show, but it was subtle enough to where you're not sure what's gonna happen with that
1: like i I really
0: loved that subtleness, I guess, yeah, um, yeah, because
1: when I rewatched it. I was like oh that's what that look was but it was subtle enough exactly that i didn't clock it for what it was when i first saw it so i i like that
0: and we're still in the point on episode two and like a first watch mm-hmm. where like you really don't know that the show is going to be as gay as it is you know like <laughs> yeah a lot of shows that aren't explicitly marketed as the l word like say they're gay mm-hmm. but like How gay they are is still open to interpretation, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There was another thing that was said between the women, I believe. Oh, because they're making fun of or they're teasing that one woman. For um, being in the dress that she had yesterday. And she was like. I could say that it's because. I don't have any as many dresses. As the Chapman ladies. Which is another indicator. To the how well the Chapman family is. In comparison to some of their peers. So I appreciated that statement.
0: Yeah. And it's really. Kind of. Almost showing like Max is getting her. Opportunities. As a. um more well-off member even in her uh, subsect of mm-hmm. community like the the Chapmans really have a lot of privilege and Tony is a very influential person in society um, and then Clance shows up and um, we're getting told that a big housewarming, homewarming home warming party is happening and it sets you up to present you to the community and it's very important and i'm just like oh my god i can't even imagine
1: having to deal with this bullshit. um but Clance has a plan okay <laughs> i'm curious about this um for you because we're both gr- granted like we grew up in different parts of the country but like we're both in a similar part like of the country um so growing up because they said that you don't know what it means to have your own house. And it reminded me that growing up, there were just a couple of things my mother wanted for me, which was to complete high school and to own a home. Um, And apartment renting is just like not a thing that my mother would like – if i were to rent my mother would have judged me um and i did rent because i moved away from home and that is much more of a norm um but now right. i'm a homeowner and i know that that's something that my mom's really proud of and really happy about there's this really big meaning to owning your home and i wonder is that such a big thing when they mentioned it is that such a thing for like is it because i'm from the south is it because i'm mexican like is it because i think from- that I think that's
0: just a, a, an overflow of history. Like you hold a place in this world. If you own property, you know, like you have something if you own property. So I think that's that's where that comes through. And then I think it filters through in different ways. So I think it, it, it probably shows itself a lot in, communities of color I think it shows itself a lot with women in general I think it shows a lot with poor communities like with my line of work like I literally as tell my friends all the time like it sucks we're in the housing market that we're in because literally the only thing that I believe people need to have to make it in life is to own the house that they live in like if you own a place it's you can figure the rest out you know um And that's just my knowledge of the systematic structures that play that are made to uh bring people down but um like that is like still something that remains true especially for people that are disadvantaged and you see more and more like in the rental crisis that we're in in the housing market that we're in like The wealthy and the owners, like, really can change a whole political
1: system. And um, so anyway, that's a bit of a tangent. (laughs) (laughs) No, I appreciate that, especially the reminder of, like, how much property ownership has been such a – historical politically important thing um and it's
0: it's it's also important like if you get into the queer community like if especially women right Mm -hmm. like if women aren't allowed to own a home or get a loan
1: yeah
0: they can't own a home and have that permanence especially together you know it's a whole thing so um we we learned clance's plan that she's got to have her crab and a phonograph and her periwinkle dress, and she wants to look like Lena Horn. And they show up for her crab, and the crabs aren't there. All they have is prawns. So they take the prawns and they go after Mr. Beaumont Mr. to try Beaumont. to get the crab. <laughs> yes. Mr. Beaumont is the man of the hour. <laughs>
1: oh I was so stressed out with like I think that they played like the stress of the situation really really well um and like I loved how they did the undoing of Clance's hairstyle because like as they progressively I'm just like I'm like Ooh girl like you got a little bit that's coming out like oh god and I got really stressed out when like um here this is the thing where like max annoyed me where i was like why are you talking to gary about a job we got some crabs to go get like get in the car
0: (laughs) and you know the thing that i love about max is that she has to be like to get where she wants she has to be almost like single-minded and achieving that goal and I think the people, I think Clance especially understands that because she understands the world, but also it kind of hurts to be around that sometimes. Um, And I think it's a fascinating story, but let me just say right here, Clance, and I haven't read a lot about the show other than like the gay stuff, so I don't know if other people are talking about this, but like Clance to me is one of the best characters in this whole show. Like the way she's performed. The way she was designed and like the way she is such a good comedic actress, but she also gets like the way she gets the weight of the moment and can deliver
1: a comedic beat in the same scene Mm -hmm. is so impressive to me. Yeah, I would agree. I I love class. I think she does, I think that she's portrayed so well with this actress. Um and so I think what's important with this whole interaction with Gary is that Max Maxine effectively says put in an application for me but using the name Max um you know having learned from mama um you know if I get perceived as male maybe I'll have uh, some opportunities and she does a little bit of some flirting to try and get you know what she wants <laughs> and and then she has to chase Clance down because Clance is like girl I'm leaving you I'm going for food and I like <laughs> absolutely love that Clance actually takes
0: off without her like sometimes (laughs) Max needs to be reminded of the moment and Clance knows that um and right now the crafts are more important and also like I just with With Max's interactions with Gary this whole episode and, like, how completely uninterested she is in him except when she needs him. It's like, how did we not see the end coming, you know? Oh,
1: my God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely with her lack of, like, real interest in him, I – oh, my God, this reminds me. I hope I can keep this in. This reminds me of a TikTok that I recently saw that was just, like, hey, girls um, who – were so focused on their academics in high school that they had no time for dating or interest in dating. How's being a lesbian treating you? And I was just like, (laughs) literally that was my line. Like I was just like, I'm really focused on my future, my academic, but I believed it. (laughs) And then I was just like, no girl, you're just gay. (laughs)
0: The reasons why you turn out to be a lesbian. And then when your career isn't everything you want in life, you have a mental breakdown as an adult. Like both, (laughs) both things are true. Um, and then we go over to the peaches' home, where we're doing our makeover assessments, and all the gals are struggling except Greta, basically. Um, <laughs> and Carson and Jess and Donnelly are kind of riffing on it, right? And they're 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 really not taking it seriously. And Greta, actually, in a way that is protecting Carson, is telling her to knock it off. And Carson like thinks she's messing with her, and, and Greta's like. If you want access to their world, this is what you got to do. Like, this is how it is. They don't want
1: us to be queers. Like, you're married, but this is the reality. This might be my favorite scene of the episode because I said earlier that like I felt like I got greater insight into Greta as a person and I think that I had greater insight into Greta as like a queer person in this part and like that Mm -hmm. line from Vivian if you want access to their world this is the price of admission it hurts because it's infuriating and it is true and it is still true to this day is that sometimes we have to figure out what is the line the balance the how do you get into a position where you can actually affect change because it's hard it's hard to affect change from the outside but how do you get it on the inside there's a price to that and it's just oh it just really was oh it was a good line <laughs> oh for sure And
0: you know it's i don't know if i'm like the only weirdo that thinks about things like this but i was like if i was born in a different time would i have been courageous enough to be gay or would i just like go through the norms of life because that was what expected expected of me as someone that like doesn't feel comfortable with that and like i had a hard time with it in general um just for my own like shelteredness um and as someone that like struggles with meeting people's expectations and all that shit. Um, and I think that's why I love Greta so much. It's because she has figured out a way to fight those expectations in life. In and in an environment where it's very difficult to do. Um, and so I really just loved her in the scene in general. Number one for like telling Carson why this is important. Like, this isn't just bullshit. Like, there is there is meaning behind people's actions. This is political. And then when Donnelly gets dismissed and they try to dismiss Jess right after, like, Greta immediately intervenes and Carson backs her up and and saves her. And, like, the way that Greta understands society and uses her... Um, abilities to support other people in her community is very touching to me, I guess. Um,
1: And one of the reasons why I really love her character. Well, I think that the, so when she says something like, I guess this doesn't affect you, Mrs. Shaw, you know, like, like she's very clearly stating that Carson is protected in her marriage from suspicion and so she can afford to not take this too seriously she can afford to joke when there are other people who cannot and I think it was in that statement that I understood why she walked away from uh Carson when she kissed her in episode one and left with that van. it was in that moment that I realized oh you're taking care of yourself and you know how to do that in this world and this is where I start to shift on how I feel about Greta
0: and I agree. Like I don't I didn't have problems with her, but I didn't know I was going to be as fascinated with her character as I became um until this moment where it's uh it's not just a whim. Like Greta actually lives a very planned out orchestrated life um to be able to achieve what she wants. Um and there's like something that motivates her charm you know i think her charm is like a protective factor or her teasing or whatever and you know you just gotta love that depth that you get in the characters in the show um because it's all over this episode
1: and thinking about like protection you know so like shaw is protected by um her marriage you know from suspicion and greta uses her femininity to protect her because, yeah, she plays baseball, but she wears lipstick and she giggles and she looks so pretty. And, you know, so she uses what she has to protect herself as well. Because I'm just thinking about Jess, who struggled a lot more with, you know, like she doesn't do the feminine. Um, It's not just that she plays baseball, but she also doesn't want to wear a skirt and she doesn't want to do her hair and she doesn't want to do lipstick. And she was very much at risk of being dismissed. So them saving her made me emotional. Greta and
0: Jess's relationship is something that I also really love. And that's the thing, like, whether it's a major focus on on development for the characters or not, like, we see so many different forms of, of friendships between all of the characters. And that makes the show really special to me. Because like you were saying before, I don't think we get to see, like, Female friendships that are as dynamic that we get in the show, period, let alone queer ones. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, Clance and Max show up for the funeral after following Mr. Beaumont. And Max is freaking out because she's uncomfortable around dead people. Meanwhile, Clance is on the crab investigation. And when she goes to the kitchen looking for those crabs, and she cries out at the loss of the crab. It's one of the more funny moments in the show to me. And then as Clance is looking more and more disheveled as we go through this episode, like the, the hits keep on coming for her. Um, She makes herself like get like a, a regrouping and she determines that they're gonna go to Schwartz to get the crab that she needs. And Max tells us something very telling my mom doesn't even go there so i think tony's um power and owning the salon gets her to do some things that not everybody gets to do um but max makes the decision i mean clance makes the decision and, and max supports her
1: Yeah, Clance says that she is picking the crap for Guy, and that makes me emotional just like within the context of like being in in a marriage, in a relationship, Um, and so like that just made me emotional for her choosing him, and then one of them says, remember we're allowed here by law, and like, oh, just, I'm just like, oh, my heart breaks because like trying to bolster yourself up for this interaction that you already know is going to go poorly, and What's also like ugh, devastating for me is like Clance looks a mess. She's sweaty. She's hot. She's brushed out of breath. Her hair is flying everywhere. And so in the best of circumstances, she's already going to be treated like shit going into shorts. Mm-hmm. And then with her um, appearance is not going to help her in any kind of way. And this is I think something I said in the last episode, which is like what really irritates me is like knowing, feeling how people are perceiving you simply because, or influenced by your race. Like, I just recently went somewhere where like all of the white patrons stared at me and it was a very like uncomfortable situation because I already know why I'm being stared at and it's just like, ugh, you know, I just, I felt for clients a lot is my point. Um, And they, and they won't pay attention to her, so she has to leave. And she says to She says to um, Max, Max. like, you've always had Tony making things nice for you. Like, and again, another just kind of hit of like how Max has been privileged. And I just love Max because I relate to her a lot in this moment where like the pain and the love she holds for Clans is enough to drive her right back into that store. And it's like, I'm going to get these fucking crap. Like, I'm not leaving till I get my food for my friend
0: yeah and like uh, you're right when when clance is in that grocery store like it's almost like you already are at this like low point as someone that's invested in her character because you know she's doing something that she doesn't even want to do um and you know she's in a bad position and you just see how horribly they're treating her and they're just ignoring her after everything that she's tried to do and it's just absolutely devastating to watch and watch Clance fight to keep her composure in front of this man even though she doesn't want to because she's been it's like too much at this point like she's hit a wall understandably so and you know when when she's telling max like i'm trying to make a home for myself and not embarrass me or guy i think That's something that Max really needed to hear. Like, Mm -hmm. Clance, to be able to succeed in this world, like, this is what she has to do. It's, you know, Max doesn't really take her seriously for being married. You know, she makes jokes about that. And she's in no interest in settling down. And she doesn't understand that. And then once Clance is able to say, like, this is for me to have power in this Mm -hmm. life just like baseball is how you're trying to that's kind of what the point is here um max says "Uh i'm not my best friend not today i'm gonna get you this crab
1: (laughs) oh it was lovely
0: and we have the peaches walking down the street to the 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 gals are all dolled up and uh jess gives a nice primal scream to the to the look she's forced to, to to bear there and shirley needs to go get some fresh tuna because canned tuna causes botulism and carson is dragged along with her and while max is ignored initially carson tries to to clear things up with her and and max kind of dismisses her like i'm not gonna say anything but when the butcher reaches out for carson next in line max takes that opportunity and says actually i was here next and carson supports her and max gets her crab for one means lena horn
1: yeah and i was like oh this is like I don't want to say this is the importance of having a white friend, but this is like a benefit of having a white friend is like there are definitely times where I will go and do a thing and I'm like, I really wish she was fucking here with me because I would feel a lot safer. So then that we do a brief uh jump to the party uh where Clance has arrived and she's just like clearly a mess guy comes over and she's just like waving that knife and he's uh got a she's like going into the room to get ready and I really appreciate this moment where Max tries to go after Clance but um, Guy stops her and I, that's such a shift in dynamic you know like from like the best friend going to comfort to allowing the significant other to go in comfort and I think he does it really wear well where he like tells her how wonderful she looks and um, gives her a dress and is like I think you look especially beautiful in this and she smiles and kind of starts to get ready
0: I think what's really special here is like We've been shown throughout the show, right, that that guy really respects the friendship between Max and Clance. But, you know, Max has been supporting Clance throughout this day, right, to get things they need for the party. And and Clance is still struggling. And I think Guy knows, like, okay, we just need a different approach. It's not that Max can't support Mm Clance, but that, like, I know what she needs right now and I'm going to take over. And I also really love that moment. Like, I I just generally, like, really love Guy. Yeah. And when he offers up the dress and is like, I think you look especially perfect in this dress. Like, that's really what Clance needed. She needed to be grounded in her relationship with Guy because that's what this was all about to begin Mm -hmm. with. And as long as Guy, like, believes in her and is happy with where things are going, like, that's really all she needs.
1: Yeah. It It was a really good moment. I really loved it. And then at the
0: ball field... Um, Lupe goes up to the mound to pitch and she's declared the Spanish striker and we find out that's because that's easier uh, for the audience to listen to than Mexico.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And we also find out that Shirley enjoys playing the flute and making bread. So we're clearly showing also that they're pitching these ladies for a specific audience. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I appreciated some of the things that they did for Lupe where they say things like hot as her temper and when I think uh, Dove is like, caliente, like when she goes to like, um, no, just, yeah, I think he says that. I don't remember. But anyways, I still think that's very- Someone does if it's not him. Yeah. To how people, um, will react to people when they know that they are, um, Latino or Hispanic. And- Greta, my note is like Greta's being cute on the field because she does that little like prancy jump thingy where I think she gets a ball and Vivian thinks that she is lovely. But Greta starts to get heckled by men or this man who I guess thinks he's flirting. Um, But he's sexually harassing her. I mean, let's <laughs> let's be honest. Let's call, and
0: <laughs> it's, let's call it what it is. And Greta is having a hard time with it. I think... She's used to it in a certain sense, but I think even she thought that she would be granted a symbol of respect here that Mm -hmm. she's obviously not getting and that even her femininity can't protect her here. Like it's even harming her in some instances. So she, she's struggling and all the girls are starting to get frustrated. And then when, Joe comes up and they start heckling her about like her size and everything. Greta almost loses her cool. And that's one of the first times in the whole show that we see her mm-hmm. um, kind of try to fight back against like the standards that are in place. Um, but luckily, uh, she's stopped by Bev and Dove says that he'll be the one to take care of it. And I think this is the moment. This is the last moment of Dove where you're left to wonder where he really stands. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think after this, we, we really find out.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we, we know now <laughs> at the end of this episode.
0: Back at Clance's party, Tony shows up and she's both impressed by Max and she's impressed by Clance, and the crab is a success, and that's all Clance needed to hear, so she's doing well. And then also at this moment, Max uh, takes her, her shot with Gary again and, and gets a dance and asks about the job.
1: Oh, my God. My, like, nose is like, Maxine, you look so good. (laughs) She looks so amazing in that dress for me. Um, And, yes. Agreed. (laughs) She takes that opportunity to talk to uh, Gary and is like, hey, let's dance. A.K.A. talk about did you put my application in? And he's like, you don't quit, do you? Um, But he agrees that he will do it. Max, you know, plays it up and kisses his cheek. And... I just, like, I have some feelings about Gary, because, like, I feel as if, though, there are so many things he says, like, you know, like, oh, this isn't the only reason you wanted to dance, is it? Or, like, you don't quit. And it's just, like, you're so close to seeing what's in front of your face, which is that she's <laughs> yeah. not interested in you. And yet you are also so far away from it, where you're like, oh, this isn't the only reason, is it? Like, is it such a bad thing if those guys think that we're together? Like,
0: Why? <laughs> Okay, I've wondered about Gary myself because, like, Max, t- for us at least, and I-, I think it's pretty clear to most of the audience, like, she's fully playing him. Like, there's not even, like, really a semblance that she has, like, true feelings for him other than a friend at all. Um, So, I'm like, what is Gary's deal here? But I think if we assess, like, Tony is one of the more powerful women in the community Max you know is set to to have kind of the same future and Max is like incredibly gorgeous like I think a part of him just wants her to be into him and maybe he's always had kind of a crush on her so that's where I've had to go with Gary to be like why (laughs) do you keep going back to Max like she's clearly not that into you yes
1: yeah that's that's my only guess and i really do appreciate the way the show did this where like when he said this isn't the only reason she said no it's not and he gets to be left thinking that it's because she's interested in him but the camera pans to tony and her watching them and so it's like no i'm also dancing with you because what it means for others to see us dancing together yes similar to greta you know
0: Exactly. And it's it's slowly. Max has such a slow journey, which I love. Like, compared to Greta, who we see instantly understand the political game, mm-hmm. like, slowly Max is starting to realize, like, that's what her life might have to look like too. Yeah. Um, And this is kind of the beginning of that, I think. And then, back to the field, uh, the Rockford Peaches lose their first game. And Greta gets a note that she's a bit too much out there and is asked if she could be a little less. And um, as as Greta kind of dismisses herself and walks away, because you can kind of tell that's uh, not, an, not an easy thing for her to hear. Uh, Carson goes back to the dugout and sees um, the coach talking to the owners, and they're trying to get him to coach a little bit more <laughs> so the team will be good. And he says that <laughs> yeah and he's like i just came back for my reputation like these girls aren't gonna do nothing for me and i'm like okay so you came back for your reputation but yet you're not interested in your team doing good like yeah clearly this is some ego shit for him
1: oh my god he goes on to say in order to make things do better you need to shorten the skirts like oh my god so upsetting <laughs>
0: Which also, I think, like, and then the heckler comes up, right? And goes, Mr. Porter, you were right. And he answers, it goes down better if you know it's a joke. Yes. And the first time I watched this, I had a really hard time understanding, like, what was happening here. I'm like, did he pay the heckler off? Like, But I really think he told him, like, this whole thing's a joke anyway. No need to make a joke
1: out of it by heckling. (sighs) oh that makes sense I was so confused like I went through like did he plant the heckler did he tell that the heckler that he told the girls like it's just a joke ladies don't take it so hard like I did not understand this yeah
0: I think it's his deep-rooted misogyny coming out like he has only come Out to to coach the peaches to be connected to baseball again, in hopes Mm -hmm. that he can get another shot. He doesn't take them seriously, but I think he, I think he's not like a typical bad guy. Like he doesn't wear his misogyny honestly for all to see, right? He just goes about the world being a misogynist, and he doesn't treat the the gals bad. But, you know, when push comes to shove, like, that's where he stands. So that's why he's not trying very hard. And that this is what I mean by I, like, love Nick Offerman because he doesn't try to make Dove redeemable. Mm -hmm. He's just the everyday shitty man. And that is who he is. And I was like, yes, Nick Offerman, you get it. And you make this character, like, he's likable in the sense that you like how Nick Offerman is portraying him. Like, but he's not a character that you root for at all. He sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's kind of like the Ron Swanson of uh,
1: <laughs> managers, if you will well i was gonna say also speaking of his ego is i forgot so not only did he say shorten the skirt, he said these girls don't have fire you know blaming them as if though there's nothing that i can do i'm a great coach they don't have the fire and that's just it you know like oh my god i just saw this really
0: funny t- i saw this really funny tiktok my friend sent me the other day where it was like this this coach blaming everybody else he's like I have the game plan. I got shit players. Don't know what you want me to do about that. It's their (laughs) fault, not mine. And I was like, that is, that is Deb Porter right there. Um,
1: Yes, that is.
0: And then Carson goes into the locker room and Greta is crying by herself in there. And it's the first time that we see like the shield fall for Greta. And she's still trying to protect herself um in this moment and not let carson really see her but carson still you know goes over and tries to offer her support and greta says you know i really let them get to me but clearly being like she she puts that wall up to not let them get to her Mm -hmm. and yet they did and i think that's hard for her um but carson says it's okay to want things and Kind of says, when I do that, it doesn't usually work out for me.
1: Mm, that hurts so much. You know, to want things that are generally out of your reach, that are not accepted, that are difficult. Like, oh, that's just such a, just a sad existence to, to even acknowledge what you want and then to, like, acknowledge, like, the probability of not getting those things like yeah this is why people have defense mechanisms is you know to protect yourself i i think that's why this next
0: bit of dialogue is so interesting in terms of baseball but also in terms of queerness where carson says like i just really needed and wanted this to be real and greta said who said it's not real and Carson, I think, is realizing here that she's conflated how Greta's approached everything before. And she says, Greta says, they get to tell us how long this lasts. They and tell us what to do, but they don't get to tell us whether or not this is real. That's us who gets to decide that. And I think that is how Greta has formulated her shield and formulated her approach to life. Like, they may have set the confines she has to live by, but she's mm-hmm. going to determine how to live within them.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that it's it's a parallel to her queer existence. Um, that view with baseball as well. Um, Don't you love a baseball queer analogy? <laughs> it's a good moment.
0: And then to keep the queer energy flowing, we end with Max getting dressed up and, and looking like she's off to something and i don't think i had any concept of where she was headed here um and and she goes to chapman's and i'm like what is she doing (laughs) like i really didn't know what this was leading up to you know and then all of a sudden mrs turner pops over and uh they start making out and it is
1: delightful (laughs) yeah same I was like okay Max is getting ready to go somewhere how late is it she's going to chat like I was very confused (laughs) and then when Mrs. Turner showed up I was like
0: yeah like she doesn't look like she's getting ready for baseball she hasn't gotten the factory job yet you know like where's she going so I really love that like episode one we have like Carson's big like Queer moment at the end with with uh Greta, and then we have the same with Max in this episode. Um and it just I like I think in this moment it's like you start to know like Max is queer, but you don't know if Max knows it or not until this moment. You
1: know what I mean? Oh yes, and boy (laughs) does she know it. (laughs) She does. She does. not a coming out story. This is (laughs) live my gay life. And I
0: think the audience is thrilled that she does know. Let me just put it that way. Yep. And we have finished episode two of A League of Their Own. We had a great time talking about this episode. We hope that you did too. So please keep the conversation going with us on Twitter at This Lesbian Shit, on Instagram at This Lesbian Ship, on Patreon at This Lesbian Ship. And please download rate and review our episodes on apple podcasts and spotify
1: yeah thanks guys we'll see you in the next one bye bye this lesbianship is intense is a part of the frolic podcast network find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts